Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Audible. So stay tuned to like the middle of this episode to get your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. Before we get into the topic at hand for today, let's go over the very limited news that's been going on mm-hmm. right now with Halo. So 343 Industries has released screenshots of halo 3 and halo 3 odst on pc and halo 2 is coming officially to pc here soon yeah not not much going on in that front yeah we're gonna have a a continued rollout so we'll kind of be tracking it as it comes along but just expect as this year continues and as we slowly emerge from covid that we'll start to see possibly a little bit more maybe infinite news maybe not you know we we have really no idea right now but for now we're going to keep seeing everything roll to halo mcc on steam for the pc Mm -hmm. yeah and then not officially news as of right now but check back on our social or maybe you know join our discord because we will be talking more about everything that will be revealed for the xbox series x yeah because that drops what this friday thursday and we're recording on a monday right now okay so yeah so whenever this episode drops it'll be happening so We'll be there, discuss some details, mm-hmm. see what we like, see what we don't like. I mean, thus far, looks like it can compete with PC at this point, which is really, really cool that we're now actually getting really good tech in a console to hopefully boost it up towards like PlayStation sales again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, it just looks cool. Or just it buy a just Switch. Cool. Just buy a Switch. <laughs> well, you can't right now. It's true. Just buy a secondhand <laughs> Switch. <laughs> but with that being said... Now let's talk about the book that we're going to be covering, which is The Thursday War. So we are now bouncing back into the Kilo 5 trilogy. We are now revisiting Kilo 5 and Zing Helios as well, and kind of picking up right where we left off. But before we dive into the story, let's go over the book, the author, and writing the book itself. 
The Thursday War is the 11th book in the Halo universe, written by Karen Travis. The book continues the story of Kilo 5 and Oni. The book was released October 2nd, 2012, published by Tor Books, and it contains 448 pages. It would be re-released in 2019, this time containing 464 pages. And finally, the audiobook is narrated by Ewan Morton. And to give you guys a little reiteration on who Karen Travis is, she is an English writer, and she has a pretty colorful past, which is pretty awesome to kind of see where she's come today. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a former TV and newspaper reporter, defense correspondent, advertising copywriter, police media spokeswoman, and a public relations manager. So she's kind of been all over the realm of writing, whether it be for creative or for publicity. You know, she's kind of mm-hmm. got that handled down. And, and remember, we we dove a lot more into the history of her being an author in our previous episode. So definitely go check that out if you haven't to find out more about her. Mm-hmm. And finally, she has written books and comics for The Halo, Gears of War, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and Batman Arkham Universes. So she has her hand around some gaming mm-hmm. universes. Yeah. Kind of like Cryptum as well, there wasn't a lot of new information when it came to writing this book. It's the middle book, kind of the story that we got from behind the scenes for... Glasslands is kind of transferring over to this one as well. I did, however, find one quote from her about the Thursday War specifically, which she states, I wanted to focus on what it feels like to operate in a fragile ceasefire that's turning into the mass of a small, unpredictable wars where the enemy is much harder to spot and define. It's not about big set piece space battles, superheroes and hardware. This is a messy conflict set at close quarters by real people with their own problems, whether those people are human, alien or artificial intelligences. And May 4th, 2012, Tor Books would officially reveal the title, cover and release the date for the Thursday War. So that's kind of just a standard for all the the tour books and as of recording that's exactly eight years ago today oh it is so they kind of tried to thwart star wars day mm-hmm. fools they should that's why no one knew about this they went after it. they, they <laughs> created their own thursday war <laughs> <laughs> that's our joke for the day you guys can clock out now yep see you guys later <laughs> now moving over to the characters that we're going to see so some of these are familiar some we're going to see for the first possibly last time but I'll break them down for you. On the AI side, we have BB or Black Box and Anya, which were Anya, however you want to pronounce it, which was the shipboard AI on the Infinity at the time. Mm-hmm. Humans, we have Kilo 5, and within Kilo 5, we have Captain Saren Osman, Staff Sergeant Malcolm Mal Geffen, Sergeant Leon Dev Devereaux, Corporal Vasily Vaz Beloy, Professor Evan Phillips, or as the elites call him, Phyllis. Mm-hmm. And Naomi Sensky Spartan 010. Now, for the rest of the UNSC, we have Admiral and Oni, Admiral Margaret Perangowski, Admiral Lord Terrence Hood, Irina Magnuson, Mike Spencer, Hugo Barton, Austin, Commander Thomas Lasky, Captain Andrew Del Rio, Dr. Catherine Halsey. And then we also have the Sangheili. We have Thelvadam, Jul Mdama, Avumed Telkam, Raya Mdama, Naxan Umdama, Dural Umdama, and Forze Umdama. And finally, for our lovable squishy floaty friends, the Huragak, we have Prone to Drift, Requires Adjustment, and Leaks Repaired. Dumbest names. I ever. love them. I, it's the <laughs> easiest names. You say dumbest names? Here, go talk to some grunts or some Sangheili and go ahead and give me dumb names. All right, now that we have learned what little there is to know about the backstory of this book, essentially none. 
let's dive into the summary of the story itself, because this is actually a longer book, just like uh, uh, Glasslands was. So there's a lot to cover, but it it's going to be a good time. So mm-hmm. let's dive into it. So it basically does a quick recap of like, hey, last time on Dragon Ball Z, this is what you missed. So they, they do a quick recap of Glasslands, and then it picks up uh, basically where it left off on Zanghelios with Phillips. Mm-hmm. So it's in the midst of that attack, and does it, don't we think he almost dies because he gets, is it shrapnel goes into him or a bullet? Well, so we, we learn from Glasslands, it's kind of like that cliffhanger where like everything is black because Kilophi loses any track of him because mm-hmm. his communicator goes down, which has this segment of BB in it that was, one, supposed to track all the data that's coming in and out, uh, but also two, if Phillips, who's not a trained soldier, he's a you know a scholar, a, you know, a scientist, a linguist, if he were to ever fall into like a wrong hands or start to get tortured, that little device would shoot him with poison, mm-hmm. yeah, basically. It's, it's like cyanide pill, essentially. Yeah, pretty much be a, like a little cyanide injection. So we're thinking, oh, did he get hit with that? What happened? So yeah, we end up learning that Philip survives it, and he's still disoriented. He's getting pulled around by a bunch of Sangheili that are around, because remember before, he got a note in an R-room from Telcam mm-hmm. to come to the temple. Yeah, temple, place of worship, I guess you want to call it. And... Once he arrives there, we get that explosion. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out the Jirohane who were on Sanghelios are rebelling as part of it. We're kind of seeing, but it also then kind of leads into the whole civil war between Felvadam, who is the Arbiter's forces versus Telcam's forces. Mm-hmm. And just like every kind of messy war, all these different fights break out all over the mm-hmm. planet. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're the... Brutes ever mentioned as being a part of this initially in Glasslands, or is this like a new development that we're learning in this book? I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. So I believe what was going to happen, I don't think they were really ever mentioned as being part of a distraction or anything of part of the war. I don't remember if it was Telkiam spouting out stuff, and I guess they overheard, or if they were just trying to overthrow what was happening, mm-hmm. or if they were scapegoated to be a part of this. You get a little bit in the book, but it seems like both sides were then fighting the Jirohane. Yeah, and th- that was like one of the the confusing parts about this. And it's a pretty straightforward book. This part I was a little confused about because I was trying to remember like everything that we learned in Glassland. So I was like, wait, I thought they were just like farm hands, kind of. Like I thought they were all cool. I believe that this is what then brought, because we're going to learn that Kilo 5, who was not supposed to be part of this, they were supposed to be on that colony world mm-hmm. dealing with O1O's, Spartan O1O, her dad, they mm-hmm. figured out. They were supposed to be over there, but now that Phillips, they lost track of him, and they lost track of, obviously, an AI, they don't want that to fall into enemy hands, they were going to be routed back. So I don't think it was planned on either side. I think it just happened to be serendipitous yeah. that that occurred. Yeah, but he gets, it's shrapnel or a bullet or something, and it hits his little black, his little BB, mm-hmm. his little black box, and it saves his life. And that was one of those things I love that he mentions. He's like, this is something you see in movies. Like, that's, yeah. that's not something that actually, you know, happens. But so his life is saved from that. And eventually he's able to meet back up with Telcam. Or was he with Telcam the whole He was with Telcam pretty much the okay. whole time. So he was with that, remember that guy who was kind of walking him around? 
Mm-hmm. He's like, I need to go find that guy. I need to get back to the Arbiter. But Telkam's people were like, no. Because Telkam was there. Because he was like talking with him yeah, the yeah. last one. He's like, no, you're safer here. Yeah, he's like, like, you can't go running out there. But then isn't Telkam also kind of sus- uh, suspicious of him? Because he's like, none of these bullets flew near you, even though he got hit with something at one point. He was like a little suspicious because he brings it up. He's like, why weren't you hitting it by anything? He's like, I, I don't know, man. Like, Well, they kind of brought it up. And he brings up. So anyway, back to that recorder. So BB's in there. What turns out that that shrapnel, even though this is a, an Oni designed thing, it could last, you know, being crushed or being dropped, any of this stuff, it's gone. And BB's not there. Mm-hmm. So, so we're definitely learning that he's blind and deaf from any Oni people that are out there. So he's on his own. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, so he's going with Telcam and Telcam's like, listen, we need to start this. Like, we, we need to get our forces together. So he rallies his force, forces back to, you know, his keep and, and, and back to the temple. And he's like, get the word out. It starts now. You know, this is the perfect opportunity. Like, we've been stockpiling. We may not have everything we need. Because remember, their ships were still over at Undama's mm-hmm. keep. Their backyard. Yeah, their backyard. So they're still keeping over there. So, so it starts off. And that's when Phillips is like, uh, no, I got, I, got a, I got a thing. You know, you guys do your thing, but I, I got to go. And Telkev's like, listen, the party's about to pop. You can't, you, like, you literally can't leave. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't he then, they're, they're in this keep and it's near these, these forerunner ruins. So it's like this weird thing. He's like, all right, well, since I'm here, can I just be nosy? Well, yeah, it's, it's the temple. They're in the temple. Yeah, yeah and, and in the temple, so he starts to notice foreigner symbols and stuff kind of around him in this in this pristine temple. And he's asking around, like, can I go? Yeah, he said, can I go check this out? And Telcam basically says, yeah, but avoid all these areas that are marked off as hazardous. You know, they like, they like block them off. They put some hazardy tape on them and... We're like, eh, just don't go there. So he, alo- along with this, he ends up getting a, a change of clothes. Because he's like, he's like, I need to do laundry. And Telkin's like, that's the biggest thing you're worried about right now <laughs> is laundry. So he commands. I mean, it's not his civil war. You know, that's that's true. He's just a passerby. Mm-hmm. And so they end up uh, getting a St. Healy children's clothes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and it's still kind of too big for him. So he's like tucking his pants and like wrap it mm-hmm. around himself. And they give him a sling to make a diaper. Incredible. It's beautiful. Incredible. Want, th- that's the image everybody needs right now. <laughs> just makeshift diapers. So he goes through exploring, you know, figuring out these symbols and, and, and etching them down and like really trying to get bb back up or an idea on it yeah because it talks about how he, he he's used to like snarky remarks coming in but he doesn't get that anymore so he truly does feel like alone right now yeah and he's like i don't know if they're coming to save me or what's going to happen but i have to figure out a way out of here but within the midst of exploring he decides that he does need to at least see if there's anything to salvage from his shrapnel bb radio so he does end up fixing BB, but it's not, it's, it, it already is a fragment of him, but it's not like a fully restored. It's like a really vanilla version. Like there's no like sass or attitude with him. He's just kind of like, hi friend, well, I'm yeah, here. Well, yeah, it's, it's a fail safe. So it's basically deleted all data except for 
well-known data, I guess you would say. Mm, so and like if, basic functions. Yeah, so if it falls into enemy hands, it doesn't know the location of Earth, it doesn't know, you know, I mean, I guess like, it doesn't really matter now, but <laughs> it doesn't know location of Earth again. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and plenty of other, like, ONI secrets, UNSC secrets, mm-hmm. but it still retains that he is an AI, doesn't know who Phillips is, but starts to kind of be like, okay, you're a UNSC, I'll, I'll work with you, I guess. Yeah, and so that's when they decide, like, or BB decides, like, we need to actually figure, like, we need to make a map of here so we don't get lost. Mm-hmm. He's like, so go back, and we're going to start investigating within this cave. That way, you know, I can tell you, okay, take a left here, and you get the hell out of here. And that's when, and I know you had brought this up before we started recording, is that he starts discovering symbols, forerunner symbols, and glyphs for, like, the halos and transportation. And isn't it didact as well? Yeah, so they're, they're reading it as teacher, because I think because mm-hmm. because BB like fragment BB still retains Halsey's findings on the foreigners thus far. They had like the mm-hmm. Dyson sphere and back on Onyx, and it's using those. And I think BB starting to interpret like, no, she's kind of wrong on some of these things, right on some of them. But what we think is like circle or this, because I believe they thought it was halos when mm-hmm. he was looking at it. But it turns out that these circles or whatever, when he's like pushing the wall and turning out like they were buttons, basically. Mm-hmm that they were actually portals. And, like, those circles and stuff meant portals, because at first he thought he activated a halo. He's like, there's there's seven of them? There's, like, mm-hmm. seven halos yeah. out there, probably? Uh, boop, and it's like turns, like, red or... And it's like, I just activated a halo. Yeah, he thought it was, like, going to wipe out everything. Yeah, and BB was like, well, they're probably smarter than that, and they probably have a fail-safe that not just one person coming, poking through a button would decimate the universe, but, yeah. You know, yeah, well, it was interesting to find that the the did like the didactus metrics. I remember when I was listening to this and I heard that I I perked up a little bit. I was like, okay, because you know I had that complaint about how like there was no real direction from the didact we knew in in Primordium till Halo Four. So at least like you hear that name again and you're like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, and they they do at least set it up slightly. Mm-hmm. For Halo Four in this, like obviously we're gonna get a bit more in the third book in both series series, but at least give something at the end of this. Yeah, you at least kind of have an idea. Yeah, and so Phillips goes through this. You know, he he has to leave again and and bumbles around, talks to some of the saying Healy that are there. All the while, we we're back over with Kilo Five, and that's when they're like, "All right, guys, we got to pull out," and they were talking with Mike Spencer, who was their contact on that colony world. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, we got to pull out. He's like, all right, mate, you do what you got to do. I'm going to be here just <laughs> pretending to be a, an electrician. Yeah, that is what he is, right? Electrician? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we still need electricians in in 2557. I don't know what year this hey, is. You always, I can't remember. I can't remember. You always need them. So they pull out. They rendezvous. They touch base with Perangowski, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we're gonna go do this." She's like, "Go get Phillips out. First of all, recover BB, but get Phillips out, I guess. <laughs> you know, if we have to." And they're all worrying about him because, and we get a little bit more into the relationship, quote unquote, between Dev and Phillips because Mal kind of gives her her fatherly Russianiness. No, it's fast. And gives her this this kind of dad. Like, oh, I can see there's something more going on. You're kind of worried about them. So we should get this, like, fledgling relationship yeah. going with it. And they go zoom, 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 scoot, scoot, back to saying Helios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doesn't it then jump to 
Doesn't it focus more on on uh, uh, Perengowski at this point? Because isn't she on the Infinity, or she's going to check out the Infinity? Yes. So so yeah, she's she's crewing up with them. You know, really showing off the ship, which is really cool, showing that it's like thirty kilometers long. Mm-hmm. You have to take a cart everywhere. Oh like yeah, you can't walk. Walking would take you a day to get through the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so she kind of talks about that, and and this is kind of cool because we do get a so much more from like OG Parangowski, who just seemed like this oni kind of spook and didn't really mm-hmm. know much. Now we're actually getting a lot more about her life and who she is and who she trusts and interactions between her and other people. And you see that she has like this weird, res- it not, it's not weird, but she, her and, and Lord hood have this like respect for one another. And, but she, and I think hood knows it as well that she's doing things behind his back. Cause mm-hmm. they, you, you see that they're kind of, they don't argue, but they have like their disagreements about it. I think they're both masterful tacticians mm-hmm. and they, it, cause the infinity because of the budget, you can't hide the largest budget ship of all time, mm-hmm. it had to be partnered with the Admiral so that you'd have the full fleet. It was like, oh, this is UNSC and Oni joining sides, mm-hmm. you know, type thing. So they're both the captain of the ship trying to steer it in two ways. Yeah, and we also meet Del Rio and Thomas Lasky mm-hmm. as well, and they... Del Rio is kind of, uh, I don't want to say he's like a coward, but they say that any time that Perengowski shows up, he like ditches. He's like, eh, I'm out of here. Well, she kind of talks about it too. She's like, you know, a a captain needs respect. Mm -hmm. He is not in that terms at all. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think he knows his place, but he's not someone you would want to sail under, I guess, in yeah. LA. But then she also, like, whenever she talks about Lasky, she talks very fondly of him. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's going to go somewhere. I really like this guy. He's going to go somewhere. And if you, you know, like, we're familiar with Halo 4, so we're, like, really, like, we know now what they're clearly leading to. Yeah. But it was, like, cool to see that make its way into the book. But, yeah, and so eventually, in order for Kilo 5 to get onto Zanghelios... Hood has to ask the Arbiter, like, hey, can our guys come onto your planet and save save our guy? Like, mm-hmm. basically saying, it, like, listen, like, it would suck if he died by your men's hands in some kind of crossfire. He made it some kind of, like, honor thing. And yeah, kinda... where it's, it's like, let us handle our people, you handle your people, mm-hmm. and we'll, we won't cross paths. That was a damn lie, but still. But still. But still. But still, it also gave them an excuse to say, okay, well, this is actually the perfect opportunity and flex some muscle over saying Helios, even if it's not firing a shot, it's just, check out our dick. (laughs) Dick measuring competition, we're going to win here. And that's pretty much what they're trying to do, is trying to intimidate because they've blasted, after the Great Schism, and obviously after, you know, the Human Covenant War... The Sanghelian and Sanghelios have been hit hard. Mm-hmm. And now with this Oni-sponsored civil war starting up, they really don't have much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's also, like, I think that they were under the impression that humanity wasn't doing too well either. Mm-hmm. But they didn't realize, because at some point in the book, it's like a big reveal that, like, everyone sees the ship and they're like, Holy, where did they get that? But then moving on from that, now we're finally seeing Jewel again. Because remember, he got kidnapped at the very end of Glasslands, and now he is on 
uh, uh, where Onyx is mm-hmm. or what, whatever it's called now. Kurt's last name, Planet. Yeah. Like, ooh, don't quote us on that. But so he's... Trevelyan. That's what it is. Trevelyan. Trevelyan. Okay. Okay. I knew it was like Alex Trebek. That's how I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Trevelyan. Trebe- there you go. Yep, Kurt Trevelyan. Yep, yep. But so he's... I don't know if I want to call them interrogations, but one of the scientists keeps coming in and continually talks to him. Yeah, it's it's Irina Magnuson. So mm-hmm. she's the head head researcher, I guess. Scientist, yeah, whatever. Of she's it, so that, head person. Yeah, so uh, Perengowski put her in charge mm-hmm. and are basically using Jules as a science experiment. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely psychological, emotional torture in a way that he doesn't understand be- yeah. Because she comes in and she acts very interested in Sangheili culture, actually asks how he's doing. Like, is there legit anything we can do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you're on this, you're stuck on this planet. You know, there's there's not much, you can't leave. So we might as well be civil with each other and hang out. And, and throughout these conversations, Jewel is definitely, you can see he's kind of getting stir crazy, but He's already told himself that he's going to escape, whether mm-hmm. it takes weeks or years. And it, it, and throughout the book, it kind of jumps back. But throughout these like meetings that he's having, he's kind of trying to pick up on the English language. He's trying to figure out how to read the English language and all this stuff. Because, as I said, he wants to get out and he, he, he doesn't know if it's going to take weeks or years. But he's like... I, there's no way in hell I can die here. Yeah, he tries to pick up and use the human's best weapon of like deception and lying. He's like, humans just do it all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Especially when they bare their teeth, but in a sign of like happiness, greeting. He's like, I don't understand why things do that. He basically said every time she smiled, she was lying. Yeah, essentially, like he's like, oh, that's that's how I know that was a lie because she just smiled at me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was also crazy as how casual everyone was around him. Like the guards didn't really pay any. Like the guards weren't on edge with him. Like it even described like the guards were just kind of like, meh. Yeah, like, they're they're like at the ready, but like at ease between. I guess at attention. Yeah, they they said he they never looked at him. They would mm-hmm. just look off in the distance. But, but eventually, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, he does get kind of some free roam rights. Yeah, so as they have a couple meetings, you know, she she asks, because she, she's trying to do this in a way where we're asking about saying Helios and what is his diet, and he reveals that. He's like, well, this is the grain I would eat, this is the meat that we would eat, because he was eating, oh, from like the study that Phillips had and a couple other studies, they were trying to like figured a diet that worked for him Mm -hmm. and the current diet um quote gave him gas and he's like you know but is there anything else you have she's like we can get you that grain and we can get you those colos you know which is the animal they receive all this meat from we'll bring him here Mm -hmm. and he's like that's gonna take seasons gonna take this this and that and yeah like like you said she she eventually is like you know we can get you out of here but you gotta you gotta promise me a couple things you gotta promise me your best behavior you know you gotta promise to to go to these certain sites also here's a collar that you used to put on the hurragak that we're gonna put on you yeah and it's actually put on by a hurragak itself mm-hmm. so that's like kind of crazy to see and th- that thing's brought in later and that's us jumping ahead a little bit and to jump ahead just well since we're already ahead i know at one point He's allowed out because they said he he just started doing he was like walking paces in his room, and eventually he he was doing it so much, uh, presumably it made him pass out and like throw up and whatnot. So like him walking around in his cell so much made him sick. So that's when they kind of had the conversation like, we'll let you out for a little bit, but you know we have these these 
parameters, but that is us kind of jumping ahead just a little bit, but oh well. We then leave Jewel, and then we go back with Kilo 5, who mm-hmm. has finally been granted-ish access to land. Like, keep your hands off of stuff while you're down here. Yeah, and so out of the Port Stanley, they take Devereaux's Pelican, the Tart Cart, uh, to Antom, so they can find Phillips. Just all these names at once. Port Stanley, Tartcart, Oncom. Tartcart's great. <laughs> uh, so, so they arrive, and they see the temples under attack by Johanni forces. Mm-hmm. So they do what they can, and they basically throw Naomi down and, like, do your thing. Do your thing and l- let her do it. it it's, this Parts like this, whenever it shows, and it's always specifically Brutes, how quickly she takes them out— it makes me think back to what is it? First strike when Chief encounters one brute, mm-hmm. and it's this like long scene. But then when you have Naomi, it's like she just mows through them like it's nothing. Well, yeah, Chief's garbage, <laughs> um, and you have to figure it's been it's been some time. Mm-hmm. So these aren't all these like probably fully kitted out Jerohane. Well, she and... does have like the Mark Seven as well, makes her more powerful. Yeah, so so there's, there's plenty with that. But yeah, they get on it, you know, and then. As they're kind of going through this battle, they're fighting the Jirohane and, and trying to take him down. But just instinctually, the Sangheili that are there see these humans and start to kind of take pot shots at them. And because, like, it's war again, mm-hmm. you know, because I know that Naomi and they talk about how like fast she is. Mm-hmm. She covers like all this yardage in like seconds. And it was like 60 kilometers an hour or something like that that she mm-hmm. was like sprinting. And so she makes it across, lays down some cover fire. And gets everybody towards the temple, and they eventually make their way in, seal that front door. But yeah, and then they, they kind of run into this this metaphorical brick wall when they're trying to get into the temple, because it's like a sacred temple. And there's a bunch of elites who are, like, totally against them going inside. They're like, no, our pal was in here. We know he was in here. We need to go in there. And then they're kind of having a standoff with them. And then there's just one elite at the control panel in in the temple, and it's just he's just kind of there. Well, yeah, because they, they when they're at the front, Naomi like slams forward and seals the door, and they're kind of listening. They realize they're getting more restless outside because these are kind of interlopers in their sacred sanctuary, and humans aren't supposed to touch it. But they're also like fighting with you know, should we just get them Phillips out and deal with this? So they're kind of murmuring outside, starting to cause a, a ruckus. Well, isn't there this internal debate about if they can kill in the temple yes. or not as well? That's ex- like, yeah, that's exactly it. They're like, and I love that they're, the humans are kind of talking about it. Like, and that's like their debate is like mm-hmm. where to kill, even though they're going to kill type thing. Yeah, it's like, because is it, is it, can we kill on sacred grounds? Mm-hmm. Like, are we heretics if we do that so they're just like let them let them debate that yeah that's their call let's do our thing so they go in they find that one dude just chilling there and they like start to raise weapons like what do you want it's always a cliche thing of the guy at the control panel that puts his hands up instantly he's like okay what he's like i'm just i'm just working here (laughs) and so they're like you know we're here for phillips and he's like well he went down like that corridor like some hours ago we haven't seen him and it's not that long of a corridor so we don't. I don't really know what he's doing. I love that they just kind of stop cop or they stop keeping tracks at first. Like, no, 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 you need to be safe. And then later on, there's like, eh, whatever, do whatever you want. Well, it's better than babysitting him during like this fight. Yeah, true. So they start to make their way down the corridor, and we learn that BB has smell a vision because he's he's uh, in Naomi right now in her neural mm-hmm. implant, and because we learned earlier that Phillips uh, relieves himself. In one of the hallways, and the smell of vision, 
Mm-hmm. That BB has been tracking that. It's like from the Batman Arkham games. It's like the same technology. Exactly. Track, <laughs> tracking a big old dump down the hallway. And uh, they make their way and they're like, he's not here. Like his trail mm-hmm. goes cold after that. His poop is here, but yeah. he is not <laughs> yeah. here. He has left some behind, but he, his full body is gone. <laughs> um, and we, we happen to learn that Phillips was able to half accidentally, half really go through a portal. Mm-hmm. And we see that he has now been transported to possibly still St. Helios at the time. Like, we don't really know. He's in a field, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he comes to in, like, a field. Yeah, and, and I believe we're, we're, we're trying, or I guess saying that it's also, you know, a field of that Irukan, which is that same grain that Jewel talks about. Like, that's his grain, mm-hmm. and that was grown by the Kig Yar, but now it's a staple on St. Helios. Yeah. And so I believe he lands in that, and he notices... This ruffle mm-hmm. that's going through it. You know, ruffles in the ridges. Trademark. And uh, <laughs> and he, it's funny because, like, him and this BB are having this, this inner monologue, and, like, even in his own mind, about, like, oh, it's probably just, like, some animal fluffing through. He's like, no. Or an animal with its head down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a small yeah. animal with its head. It's like, this is my fight or flight. Like, yeah. it's getting close enough, and I'm going to die. Does he grab a stick or something, if I'm correct? Yeah, he grabs, he grabs, like, a big stick, and he's like, all I can do is whack at him. He's basically like, I have one shot to hit it in the head. Yeah. And then, but out come these, like, three bumbling grunts, and he kind of gets scared, because I don't think he's seen a grunt before. I think this is the first time he's seen one in person. Yeah, they see one in person, because he actually, like, realizes the methane tank and the methane mm-hmm. rebreather, and he's like, ooh. And you, and you got to realize that, like, and I didn't realize this for a long time, is that grunts are, like... Five foot to five five. So there are grunts taller than me, even though in the game they seem like three foot. They're all pretty big, yeah. Yeah. So like grunts are actually even coming up to someone who's six foot, still bigger than what you would expect. So yeah. he's probably intimidated by that alone. Yeah, he was playing Halo one through three and <laughs> sees that they're tiny and then and, sees them here. And now he's getting ready to play Halo Four. He's like, This just doesn't make sense. Why did the art style change? <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> so so we we, we kind of cut off there. And then mm-hmm. we jump back over to this goddamn fucking church that dings his bell all the time. And then we jump back to Kilo 5. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, well, we got peace out of here. Uh, however, that crowd has swelled a lot. They said it was like 70 or 80 out there. Mm-hmm. It's all elites and it's like five humans. Yeah, and they're like, well, and they are getting pretty pissed off, so mm-hmm. we should probably skedaddle as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. How did they make their way out of there? Did they sneak out? Firefight. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I completely forgot, yeah. Uh, well, it's because in, in these books, I will say, Karen Travis is a great writer, but a lot of fight sequences, and, and you and I have talked about this, especially space battles are kind of, I'd say, the least interesting part about these books. It's mm-hmm. it's the dialogue and the character development is what I really like about these books. And then the firefights and everything are just whatever. Yeah, and, and so the, they make their way through, they jump onto the pelican, they escape out, and they're like, okay, we need to regroup. We need to figure out Phillips. Let's see if BB has somehow come in contact with him again. Because BB is obviously like trying as much as he can, like doing planetary scans and, you know, all these different things. Regular BB, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. OGBB goes for all this. <laughs> and uh, and so unfortunately, we, we don't know what's going on. But we then jump back to Raya who we met a little bit in the first book. Jewel, Jewel's and wife. And that was Jewel's wife, correct. Mm-hmm. And we jump back to Raya. And so she's kind of fed up with like not hearing back from her husband because she's like, if he had switched to the Arbiter's side, 
you know, he probably would have told me or he would have told me he's leaving the planet or he, he would have said something at this point because this was weeks, right? Yeah, I believe so. Mm -hmm. Definitely longer than just days. Yeah, because she she says sometimes he would leave for days, and it's understandable. But now I think it's I think it's two weeks. I think they said. Yeah, and and that was even during the war and everything. But there was essentially no reason to do it as of right now with no explanation. Mm -hmm. So she she's like, all right, I know that Telcam is going to come back here for his ships, so I'll confront him then. Mm -hmm. And and so she kind of goes out and she talks with. Uh, I believe it is Forza. Forza. No, 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 Forza the game. She actually plays <laughs> it on the Xbox. Goes with Forza. And is like, I, I, I have to do this. She, she like grabs a pistol and goes down to the docks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. Kind of like this isn't a woman's place type deal because mm-hmm. there's still this very patriarchal society in a way. Well, yeah, it's like the the women rule the home. But it's also this weird thing that the men are the warriors, but... At the beginning of Glasslands, there was no war, so mm-hmm. technically the women were the hierarchy, but now that there's kind of a war, they're kind of like being, quote-unquote, put back into their place in the home. Yeah, but since Jewel's gone, mm-hmm. she now assumes the right to lead their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that keep. That keep specifically. So so she goes down to the dock, she's got like a pistol drawn waiting for him. And that's when Forza the game and Forza <laughs> go down and like realize that she's not backing down. So like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm joining you. And then I think some of the younger saying Healy come down as well. And they join her like mm-hmm. drawing guns and sticks and everything. Like we're going to take them out with sticks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then finally, Telkim arrives and Raya doesn't back down. She's holding that pistol leveled at him. And he's like, what, what is going on? And she has, Jewel was with you last. Like, what did you do with him? And he's like, well, I, I haven't seen him. I assume he went to the Arbiter. Mm-hmm. And that's when she gets back to him. Like, no, he he would have told me if he switched sides. Like, we, we're in it together. We were just kind of picking sides to pick sides. Where is he? So they both kind of be like, well, the last we know of, he was coming to my meeting place. And I guess in her mind, both minds, like, maybe the humans... Maybe. Hmm. So she demands, she's like, let me on your ship. I'm flying with you. Yeah. And I, I, I do really like her character. I like that she's like, she takes no crap from him. And we see that going on because she'll have these conversations about, you know, we need to change the way the caste system works. I want to be a swordmaster. And he brings up, no, there haven't been. She's, yes, there has. There's been female swordmasters. And I think one other saying Healy chimes up is like, yeah, one. And she, she's like, okay, well, that sets the precedent. Like, there was one. Why can't we change that way that was? Kind of sounds like the plot to Mulan. What's yeah. going on here? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so, so she gets in the ship. They go out, and they basically go and try and, and deal with some of the Arbiter's forces. And when you're heading out to, you know, deal with a squadron, one, what are some things you need? One, you need snacks. Uh, yeah, you need snacks. You need, you need a blankie. You always need that for a good space trip. Mm-hmm. But most of all, you need something to entertain yourself. And mm-hmm. what do they need? They need some Audible in their lives. Exactly. And so thank you, Audible, for sponsoring today's episode. As always, Audible is an amazing platform where you can access hundreds of thousands of different audio programs, including all the books that we have done thus far, including the ones in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to listen to a lot more. I'm trying to get through Game of Thrones right now. We'll see how that goes. Godspeed, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Just don't watch the show. But, but aside from that, 
Audible's amazing. They've been sponsoring us throughout this almost the whole podcast mm-hmm. life we've had, which has been awesome. And you can download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash finish the fight and snap up that free book. Like we said, it, it's helped us immensely with this. Hopefully it helps you. So again, that's audibletrial.com slash finish the fight for your free audiobook today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but then this is kind of where the narrative changes, and now we're with Phillips once more. And so he's talking to those grunts who, for the most part, are, are represented how grunts are represented. They're they're kind of dumb. These ones are cursing a lot for some reason. Yeah. They, but oh well. They're like sailor mouth grunts, which is great. And they hate the Arbiter mm-hmm. and like the whole keep because like they're terrible people. Yeah. And they're basically just like farmhands there too. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you got to take me to whoever's in charge here. So So they do that. And once he gets to this keep, he realizes it's all females and Healy. And because all their husbands and able-bodied elites are all all fighting right now. Yeah, because it's just just wives and children right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so what we find out is that there's this rival clan or, or guy, I can't remember. Yeah, it's like a rival clan. So it's, it's, Karen Travis does really well in writing, like we said, like pretty chaotic, war aspects of this book Mm -hmm. because this kind of talks about how wars are also just the time of opportunity Mm -hmm. so another clan is trying to take over their lands it has nothing to do with the arbiter like abiding truth type war it has to do with just we want your lands right now Mm -hmm. yeah so she's like she the the head honcho is is telling phillips like we're we're preparing for this battle right now. Like, we can't really help you out. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just preparing for this. And so eventually he he gets part of it as well. So he has a plasma pistol, which they describe that, like, he needs to hold with, like, two hands. That's yeah. so big. Yeah, because the the elite that's running this, Elar Nas, she's kind of directing him, like, okay, there's, there's incoming fire. Like, we have to hunker down. You know, stop looking out the window. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember the number of them, but it's like six or seven start to break down the door. And Phillips just stares straight ahead and just like keeps pulling the trigger at the mm-hmm. door and just vaporizes everything. And he, and obviously staring at it, you know, it's like a bright blast of plasma. He's like seeing like those red dots in his eyes. Mm-hmm. He can't really see anything. And he only stops firing when she like grabs him on the shoulder. She's like, it's, it's over. They're dead. Mm-hmm. And was it this time or later in the book that Phillips brings up like, this is the most, or later in the book when he gets rescued, like this is the most he's ever been alive. It was, yeah, he he had talked about like this being in this war. He's like, I I feel like a new person. Yeah, he's like, I've I've never felt this. And later, I think it's Vaz kind of brings up like, oh, he's got that kind of like fight or flight. You're using every bit of your body possible, even past mm-hmm. like your what you thought was your threshold. And you know, he's like, he can easily become an ODST. Like he mm-hmm. has that mentality of it. He has like. The bravado and like the mm-hmm. that raw, like just craving for yeah. Well, is this a, a different firefight? Almost happens right because that's when Kilo Five shows up and they're like, okay, we're gonna take Phillips. But before that, the these Zangheili were like, wait, like Phillips is like, okay, cool guys, um, I'm gonna go now. They're like, wait, you're a hostage now. Well, to roll it back a little bit, they had already called Telcam. Because that's mm-hmm. where we had received the, the report earlier when they're leaving their ship is because Phillips is like, all right, they're either with Telcam or they're with the Arbiter. So I have to play it on either side. I can't really tell. And yeah, that, that's when Nas is like, no, 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 no. 
we're calling Telcam. Like, we get this bounty reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, like, he's supposed to go back to Telcam and then go back to the humans. But mm-hmm. Kilo 5's like, listen, let's just cut out the whole Telcam thing and, and just come with us. But they're like, no, 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 no. He has to go with Telcam. So there's this weird standoff when they show up. Yeah, and then he tr- Philip tries to be the intermediator because he's like, listen, guys, just chill. We need to figure this out diplomatically. I'm okay. I'm unscathed. I did shoot a bunch of stuff, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, you have Naomi, Vaz, and Mal were all making their way towards the front door. And at this point, I love that they talk about Naomi. She just like, because they put barriers up. They, they, mm-hmm. had, they had to like seal the door back up. She just punches a hole through like a shining here's Johnny and then just <laughs> rips it all out. Guns are drawn everywhere. and But Phillips is standing between everybody saying, all right, guys, just just chill. Like, we don't need to fire on this. Women and children. Mm-hmm. But I know that Vaz and Mal were kind of be like, listen, they they murdered our women and children as well. Like, we, yeah. this is war. Yeah. It, well, he, he definitely is coming from a place as well as, like, compassion for the elites mm-hmm. because he spent all his life studying them. So now he's like, He's like, no, I, I get it. I see everything from their point of view kind of as well. He's just truly trying to be a middleman and being like, we're, we're, we're both just beings trying to get by at this mm-hmm. point. But like, unfortunately, while this is happening, they're like, they finally say, all right, Phillips, you're coming. He goes, all right. Gunfire starts. Mm-hmm. Because earlier we see that there's some banshees in the distance. And a couple of them got sh- shot down. And now there's more coming in, laying fire. And we have a, a group from that that rival keep i guess mm-hmm. that are coming to attack again so they have to jump in board it back up and these you know kilo five now has to fight with these like random hodgepodge elites mm-hmm. yeah well yeah then and afterwards they 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 take out all the banshees and whatnot and the rest of that rival keep but their pelican is damaged in the process so they have to – well, Telcam arrives by then, right? Mm-hmm, because he, he also helps shoot down some of those banshees mm-hmm. and kind of wipe out the rest of that crowd and kind of gets everybody to disperse. And Jewel's wife is there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't there this weird tension that they, like, know? They're like, oh, God, that's his wife. And, like, we kidnapped the dude and she's looking for him. So it's kind of, like, awkward. So they just kind of put their head down. But it, it's it, there's still tension between the elites and the humans, but yet – they're like, hey, can you, like, help us repair this ship? Because we don't have anywhere else to go. And I think he's kind of like, all right, like, since you had this weird deal with the Arbiter, I guess I'll help you. Yeah, because Forza, I remember, was the first to arrive. And he's the one mm-hmm. kind of f- fired it down because Telkim had, had told Forza that Forza, whatever car or not, <laughs> uh, that you need to go get Phillips. Like, he's in distress. But then that's when Forza is like, hey, Telcam, it's a little different. There's some humans here. So Telcam comes. They convince Telcam, like, listen, we're just going to take Phillips. That way you don't have to have him on your hands. We don't have to worry about any of this. Mm-hmm. We're going to be good to go. So they agree upon that. Raya and then Forza actually do help, like, put some Band-Aids on the Pelican on the Tart cart. Yeah, or like that weird specific wiring they talk about yeah. in the book. Don't quote us on what it is. I don't remember. 50 millimeter so yeah they 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 slap wiring they 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 put all these different because they needed uh the gauge of it It was like 50 or 75 millimeter gauge wire Mm -hmm. they needed with it to repair it get it running again kiss the boo-boos thank god that we use the same wiring system as them yeah exactly (laughs) and they're they're able to to put it together because obviously we had her got 
we'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But both are just kind of like fumbling around, getting it to go. But it's enough to get it back out towards Port Stanley and to safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now that everyone is, for the most part, fine, mm-hmm. and Kilo 5 makes it out of there. So then now let's go back to Jewel. So Jewel is is starting to actually walk around. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had said we had jumped ahead a little earlier. Now we're here. So Jewel's able to walk around the planet, and for the most part, he has freedom. Like, he just has to be, uh, uh, the, the Hergok has to follow him around, mm-hmm. essentially. And so he wants to investigate some of these Forerunner ruins or caves or whatnot, because he's just really curious in that. Plus, he he's still convinced that there might be a way that he can get out of here. Yeah, because he's saying that, you know, there's only so many humans on this planet They're all, like, driving little buggy cars, stuff like that. There's no real ships coming in, so all the supplies has to be local. So where's all this stuff kind of coming from? And they had told them that the the grain and the animals that should have took seasons only took, was it hours? Yeah, I think so. And I think that she ended up explaining that it's a time differential. Like, through the Dyson Sphere, they're able to grow all this stuff and then bring it back real quick. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of figured, okay, if if the furnace had, like, time manipulation what else could they have and so that's when he starts exploring through these ruins and writing down these etching symbols on his belt mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah i remember that yeah so he kind of has like this cool like championship wrestling belt by the end of it yeah it's, it's definitely like like the people's champion belt he's going through <laughs> it and at one point he, the way she describes it is like he feels like kind of like cobwebs over his face mm-hmm. and then he's in a different place yeah yeah so it's like he's he's so he's throughout the book you see that he's kind of doing this detective work because he's really smart elite. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, and he's doing all these things to try to figure out how can I get out of here. Well, and the other reason that he's able to explore all these temples is he keeps feigning that he's a very devout religious elite. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, the gods, the gods. Yeah, he keeps it, bringing it up to try and fool the humans mm-hmm. that he's a regular, you know, run-of-the-mill elite. But in reality, he doesn't believe in it, but he believes that there is great power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of his, you know, ticket to try to get out of there. So he see, or so he thinks. And I know at one point, this is where, isn't it, we start to learn a little bit more about, like, the didact. Because he he's seeing some symbols and the Hergok is like, I haven't heard much about that guy in about 100,000 years. But mm-hmm. he's not a fan of humans. Uh, so we just kind of let him be. He's on this place called Requiem. We don't know where it is. We're not told where it is, so we don't worry about that. But Jules kind of like, eh, he doesn't like humans. I don't like humans. Me and this guy, we got a lot in common. We're best friends already. We got a lot in common. But isn't it at one point, he goes to touch something on a wall, and and the Hergok actually, like, throws him against a wall because the Hergok freaks out. And it's like, you can't do that. And Jules said any other time... He would have, like, attacked whatever threw him, but he's like, I can't believe that this thing just threw me. Yeah, and because he was going towards a panel, which I assume, as the way it's described, is a similar panel to what Phillips had touched mm-hmm. on St. Helios. So it's a, it's a teleportation panel. And, yeah, I love the description that the Hergot grabbed and threw him so hard it ripped tendons mm-hmm. in Jules. And so they're, they're kind of talking about, you know, this is just a, a meat machine that the foreigners made, but obviously they made them so that they can protect what they're doing. Yeah, in case they need to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the end of, like, an awkward end to that meeting. Well, and I love it because it's cute because the Hurricock says, I, I I, hope you're not harmed. I did not mean to harm you, 
but I had to do that. He said that if you would have if if you would have touched that, then you would like. He said like you would have been worse off. Essentially, like this was the best option. Yeah, because it's it's explained later that what he was going to touch, obviously, are is a portal button. You know, it's you know it's labeled P one. Mm-hmm. Tap that P one. He's that four one. <laughs> but the Hergot explains. Listen, I was kind of the helm's master of this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not at the helm. So I don't know where these portals go. Yeah. So he's like, I, I don't know where you would end up. So I, this was me saving your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, I don't know if it's now or later on that the harness that he has, he's, he keeps like kind of rubbing at it and he convinces Hergok to just loosen it up a little bit. He's like, it, he's like, don't take it off. But he's like, it's just, it's like, it's, it His straps are rubbing on me hard. Mm, and yeah. And so, yeah. So then he says, I think at that point it's loose enough to take over his head, but obviously it would explode. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we'll get back to that. And to kind of end this, to go a little bit back in Jules' story, they eventually changed his diet out mm-hmm. and they gave him that ir- that Iroquois, Iroquois, whatever it was, grain and the colomy. Mm-hmm. And the next day he's sick. He's feeling sick, throwing up, uh-huh. feeling awful. And he can't eat for like two days. Well, through some Parangoski notes that we see and through notes from the doctor that's there, they were actually tempering with that grain to make it unedible or mm-hmm. inedible so that they could eventually spread those spores across Helios, Cross-pollinate the, yeah. the natural grain there. Yeah, because apparently it would become so invasive that I think it was only like X number, like small number of years. I think it was like three or four years mm-hmm. or was it six months? I'll have to look it up. But it was a super short amount of time that it could completely take over and cause famine. Yeah, because they, they wouldn't be able to eat it. It's literally like the, the potato famine yeah. almost. Like they, they were just going to starve them to death because they can't eat anything else. Yeah, and that's pretty much what they were using him for. And he he does kind of get that later because he's talking to the Huragok. He asks, like, why were those colos? Because there was like plump, delicious colos, and then sickly ones. Mm-hmm. And he asks, why were those colos separated, and what happened to them? And the Haragok says, well, I mean, they they were, they were died. Mission success! Yeah, he's like, he's like, they died, you know, on purpose. And at the time, Jules was thinking, oh, for me, you know, like, they're stockpiling meat for me, but I'm going to be gone, not realizing that they died from malnutrition and starvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, back over to St. Helios... We have the big old ship of Infinity come right in with one kilometer of their destination mm-hmm. right above St. Helios. So they were really wanting to test out, because I think Perangowski and Hood kind of talked it back and forth, and they are like, I mean, this gives us the chance to really test this ship. I know it's still prototype-ish, but let's test it out. Well, and Perangowski was anxious to anyways. She's yeah, been wanting to. She's been wanting to because this has been like a pet project. She wants to get going. And so they use a lot. So basically the whole ship, uh, if you guys don't know what Infinity is, it's kind of like this Frankenstein's monster forerunner tech. Mm-hmm. Well, also, and this is something that we kind of need to mention is that it was a pretty good ship. But then when they brought Huragok in, mm-hmm. it changed everything. It, yeah, it, it fully updated everything. They were able to integrate so much more of that forerunner tech because they were able to get some of those OG Huragok from mm-hmm. Onyx. They're like the children of those ones that were already there. So they're basically forerunner Huragok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're working on this, this machinery perfect, integrating it. They able to get they were able to get comms through slip space, which has never happened before. Typically, you were in the dark until you exited slip space. Yeah. But now they're able to do comms through slip space. They're able to get within one kilometer of their destination. And being a 30K ship, like you got to kind of figure out where your kilometers are going to be. Otherwise, you're going to be <laughs> right in that planet. 
And so they, they go right above. And at this point, we kind of have another chat with Parangowski and Osman, and this allows Port Stanley to dock with the Infinity mm-hmm. and to kind of come on board, get some R&R, uh, talk with Phillips about integrating his little black box, his little broken black box mm-hmm. to be with the actual BB and to like get all that data down. Yeah. Well, doesn't BB also, a uh, uh, regular BB, not vanilla BB, kind of almost show like nervousness? Like he's almost kind of like not bothered, but like kind of like nervous about like having to like in, like communicate with this old version of himself and integrate himself back. It's this weird thing where it shows like the human side to the AI. And then also moving on from that, we do, and this is the only time, if I'm correct, BB goes and talks to Halsey. Because mm-hmm. Blue Team and Mendez are not in this book whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they're mentioned other than a quick recap in the beginning. Like they're, they're nowhere to be found. They're not. Uh, Halsey is mentioned a few times up to this point where she's she's clutching like a, a photo of Miranda and crying. Basically, mm-hmm. that's all you hear of her. She's legally dead, so she's just working on the Infinity, and that's it. Well, I think that was that was really cool scene for me too because I believe BB. So BB's kind of having this existential crisis because he's coming close to rampancy, mm-hmm. and so he does this really cool like zoom back where he's like, "Yeah, Parangowski's enjoying this. So and so is talking to." them halsey's crying and holding a picture of her, her daughter's like i see all like i know everything that's going on and that's when he kind of be like well halsey's probably the best to f- help me and fix me mm-hmm. because even though i think he's a gen four mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah. and cortana's a gen three he's like uh, you know i've never dealt with you know she's never dealt with me but she's like the parent of an ai so she'll know what yeah. to do yeah he goes in and he talks to her and he he kind of he he almost bluffs and says, you know, I'm fourth gen, which the prizer goes, yeah, I'm an AI made by AI. And he, he starts to read her face and he realizes she can't fix me. So he just mm-hmm. kind of leaves. And and he even admits, like, yeah, that whole being made by another AI thing was just a bluff. I'm just trying to see if she was surprised by that or not. And seeing that she was surprised, it's very obvious she cannot help me. Yeah. So it's so kind of interesting there where he's talking to Halsey. And again, that's the only time we also ever see her as well so it's like she was a huge part of that first book and so was blue team and then now they're not in this book at all and it is kind of sad that it's like it mentions multiple times that she's just it's like yeah there's halsey uh crying because her daughter's dead and she wasn't there and she didn't know about it for a long time yeah and it's we're getting to like really interesting character development too mm-hmm. like definitely read the book because we we really can't emphasize enough like what some of these characters are going through yeah uh, especially when we start to get with with osman and kind of what she's going through and like her own personal deals and especially as we start to get with naomi and like dealing with her father and like getting those ideas up it's, it's a really really awesome way the team builds and i think travis did a huge huge amazing job putting it together mm-hmm. and so we'll start to see a lot more of that come through but we're back now and this is where uh, Parangowski tells, you know, Osman, she she comes over to the ship and she brings requires adjustment and leaks repaired to upgrade Port Stanley. Mm-hmm. Well, and, oh, because I remember, sorry, she, she uh, Parangowski, to show this, like, mother-daughter relationship, she says multiple times, like, you know, I think I think Osman needs this. Like, I think she's really going to like this. Almost, like, excited to give, like, her daughter a present. She's yeah. Like, she's really going to like this. I think she, she could use this. Yeah, and she's like, you know, she's going to secede me. Like, mm-hmm. she's, we need to, like, be on the same terms. 
So yeah, she takes him down. And at the same time, while these repairs are or repairs upgrades are going on, Hood wants to kind of flex the infinity, but also gets in touch with the arbiter mm-hmm. and is like, "Hey, you need some help, buddy?" And the arbiter's like, "No, nah, I'm good." He's like. All right, cool. Here's a Mac round. <laughs> That's basically it. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, dude, you got, you know, you got like three boots up your ass right now. Like, you sure you don't need help? He's like, no, no, I'm good. He's like, eh, we're going to help you. We're yeah, going to so, help you. So they fire a Mac round, takes out a bunch of rebel ships that were like encroaching on the Arbiter's position. The Arbiter begrudgingly like gives him kind of like a thanks. And, uh, but that's when Perengalsi is like, ooh, hey, Osmond, uh, I need you to get Telcam. Because Hood has no, no idea that we started this revolution, and Telcam needs to live if we're going to keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no point. Like, th- it takes a long time to get one person or one Zangheili to stand up, so they got to make sure that that mastermind, quote unquote mastermind, is alive. Mm-hmm. So after they get their ship upgraded with slip space, which has never been happening on a small ship like that, mm-hmm. and this updated comms, which is like a 3D super, super dense map that mm-hmm. you can actually like, see what's going on. It's not just topography. It's like all these little dots you can see as well. So they end up dropping back down to the planet. Our sweet tart cart, our pelican, <laughs> <laughs> uh, drops back down, and they're going to quote-unquote rescue Telcam. Doesn't that kind of go south, though? Mm-hmm. So they basically take out some of his forces, and they quote-unquote rescue him and take him quote-unquote, rescued, basically across the planet slightly, and they go over to New Lanelli, which is where his forces are kind of getting together again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you guys, we're going to we're gonna drop you off. You need to figure your stuff out and get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, we can't control what the UNSC is doing up there. Like, we're just here for you right now. You need to get out because we cannot predict what's going to happen. Yeah, because essentially, like, this this war is going on, and, like, half of the guys up there are unaware that we're kind of working with you. So, like, you are potentially going to be caught in the crossfire. So, get out of here. And it's great, too, because I think Raya's the one who asked Telcam, you know, why are we working with these vermin humans? Like, why don't we just shoot them down? They, they couldn't have as many ships. And Telcam goes, you... Just, just wait. They got you'll, one. You'll, that's all that matters. You'll, you'll see. Uh huh. And and I love that that line too because he kind of is like, no, I, I I get what you're saying, but this is the biggest ship I've ever seen in my entire life. So mm-hmm. let's just do what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so as we get these conversations going, they start to retreat, and BB and Osmond devises plan that so they're they're along with those upgrades from those Huragak, they are completely untraceable on, on any nav stats or anything like that Mm -hmm. so they're they're a ghost ship right now and bb gets on and with the help of translation with osman they disguise themselves as a kigyar mistress and they use the name uh, i think it's laz and they basically say that uh you know we, we procured some unsc nukes and i think they were trying to say that you know they were they were from this this segment that kind of knew about this ship that they were supposed to be getting that these other kigyars were supposed to deliver Mm mm-hmm and Osman as Laz plays it up. She ends up shooting down, uh, I think, three of the pursuers mm-hmm. from the from the uh, Arbiter's forces to save them. And only Telcam knows that it's not the Kigyar. Because yeah. I think it's um, Forze pops on. He's like, who is this? Who is like, I'm Kigyar, do, do, do. But then he's like, give me Telcam. And Telcam's like, who? That's like, Osman. He's like, oh, 
Okay. Yeah, so it's it's, it's such a weird smoke and mirrors thing going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, so so within the midst of that, but unfortunately, even though Osmond and, and BB are trying to defend Forze and Raya, the Arbiter's forces shoot down uh, Forze and Raya. Well, yeah, so they, they had, I think, a total of five ships. One ship immediately got hit. Then the quote-unquote KGR got involved. Took out most of them, but I think one or two survived from the Arbiter's forces, mm-hmm. taking out the rear ship, which was the ship that Forze and Raya were on, leaving only three of five to survive. Yeah, so so they're taken out, and, and I don't think it, it says what happens to them just yet. It just says, like, the ship goes down, and then it kind of moves on from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so the, the Port Stanley picks up Kilo 5 and then kind of move on from that portion of the the well, story well yeah because port stanley had just got that slip drive so they're mm-hmm. able to jump immediately to new Lanelli, grab kilo five who was in tart cart pretending to be the kig yar and and we're, we're able to get them out of there and zoom 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 back towards trevelyan mm-hmm. yeah so from there i think that's when um phillips actually goes and and talks with jewel just for a little bit but yeah so so they have a quick conversation and since they're still trying to play the whole, is there anything we can do with you? You fine? You want new, you know, you want new sheets? Anything like that? So, is there anything I can do for you? And and Jewel says, "Can you check on my wife? Can can you make sure she's fine?" And this is kind of like that tragic thing because through all of this, it's not that he's trying to escape from prison. He's tr- he's just trying to get back to his wife. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. So if like if he didn't have a wife, he'd probably just try to kill everyone. But he just wants to get back to his wife, and he even talks about. How he misses his kids too, and his kids, you know, don't know because that's in the culture. The kids don't know that who their father who, is. Yeah, but they know who their kids are. And he mm-hmm. even says, "I miss my kids." So he says, "I just want to get back to my family." So now he's going back out. He's going to go back out. Well, well, before that, so he's talking with Phillips, and and Phillips is talking to him, you know, so much more about the symbols and foreigner language because he notices that Jewel has like the belt, oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff, and they're yeah, talking about belt. yeah, and he's talking about hey, I. I there's this thing, teacher, and, you know, you have the same symbol, and they basically talk it back and forth, because on the way there, uh, I believe it was, uh, it wasn't vast, I think in the end, because they were kind of talking back and forth about the symbols and mm-hmm. symbology, and I believe it was actually Dev brought it up. She's like, I'm just just a pilot, but do you see this one symbol here? It's the only one that doesn't have something, because they were trying to think, is it numbers? Is it this? Mm-hmm. And she brings up, is that a negative? It's the only thing that has a negative. And I like her speech is like, we're in the UNSC. Everything's negative. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't eat that. But in their language, they only have one that has that. And so they realize it has something to do with the didact. Mm-hmm. Like, don't wake, don't touch, don't do something There's with that them. name again. Yeah. And so that's when we first officially figure out the didact name. Mm-hmm. Because they had been calling it teacher. And, and Jewel had been trying to figure out what that symbol even meant. And he kind of master, teacher, you know, dictation, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So now they finally get that name together for Jules. And this is where he does fully discover portals because we have Philip say, yeah, I, I was on your planet. Your people are lovely, by the way. I solved a lot of Arams. Also, I used a portal. He's mm-hmm. like, you have a portal there and it's able to use these symbols. So Philip's unknowingly, because even Jules brings it up, like he sees it in his eyes, he just thirsts and loves knowledge. Mm-hmm. He's not doing this to spite him or to do anything. He's literally just talking because he loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where Jules first gets the idea of, okay, well, if you can go through portals, 
there has to be a way I can use these then. Mm, yeah, and so that's when he 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 devises his plan. So remember, his collar is loose enough to where he can pull it off if he needs to. Of course, if it if it leaves his body, it detonates, mm-hmm. and so he goes on a walk with his his uh, hergot companion. And so, so one thing he he does, which I didn't get why it was at first, what's clever, he starts picking up a bunch of rocks. And he has a handful of rocks that the Hergok doesn't notice. And finally, he finds himself in that area with that that thing he wasn't supposed to touch mm-hmm. that the Hergok freaked out over. So he finally starts questioning the Hergok. He goes, listen, these are portals, aren't they? And, he, and the Hergok's trying to, like, avoid it. But he's like, I know this is a portal. He goes, listen, I know your mission is that you can't let anything happen to this temple. Like, even if that means, like, I can potentially escape. So what he starts doing is he starts pulling his collar off. And he says, if if you don't tell me where these portals go or you don't let me – or if you don't take this collar off, I'm going to take the collar off myself. It's going to detonate and damage all this Forerunner stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he starts activating portals, and he starts throwing rocks in these portals to see if he can hear a landing on the other side. So he's he's kind of having the stalemate with this Hergog, and this Hergog's like, I can't do that. I can't I can't take the collar off. He's like, yeah, but you also can't let anything happen to this Forerunner technology. And so finally, reluctantly, the he finds he finds a portal that he hears the rock hit on the other side, and then he finally convinces Hergog to take the collar off. Mm-hmm. And so when he does that, he just bolts through the the um the portal, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And kind of moves on from there. So the the scientist who was in charge of uh Dr. Magnuson. Magnuson and Magnuson, she waits what, fifteen hours to tell Parangoski, like, mm-hmm. hey, Jewel escaped. Yeah, like like we don't know where he went. We lo- we've been losing comms on occasion when he goes in those foreigner structures, but mm-hmm. there's really nowhere he can go. Yeah. However, we talked with the Hurricock and uh, he used a portal. Yeah, and and Parangasi is like, why did you wait 15 hours? Like, well, we had to make sure that we could find him first. And she's like, it would take longer than 15 hours to find him on an entire planet because mm-hmm. he had free roam of it. So she, Parangasi, and throughout the, the book, Parangasi's actually been kind of nice. You kind of start to like her more and more than when we first met her in Ghost of Onyx. Yeah, so you can tell that she's annoyed. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely planning something, but well, in her in her monologue, she's like, I, "I can't have another Halsey on my hands. I mm-hmm. can't just like forgive mistakes." So, no matter the position, she goes, "The only thing that I think I've failed is I've put the wrong person in this position, mm-hmm. and I hate feeling that way." Magnuson said it would be impossible to know for years what these portals do. Yeah, so we were just letting him go and just assume these portals were fine. And, and Parangoski's like, "No, you should have waited years until you let him walk around until you knew what these portals did." Yeah, she, she's like, "Oh, it would have been years until we knew." She's like, "Then you should have kept him prisoner for years in his mm. cell." Yeah, so now it's like, ah, she's in trouble. She's in a lot of trouble. Parangoski is clearly not thrilled about this. No, and so Parangoski says, "Hood, can you drop me off?" Back at Trevelyan. When boss wants to talk to you, it's not a good sign. When boss doesn't talk to anybody. No. So she ends up getting back to Trevelyan. She gets briefed, you know, about Jules' escape and goes with Magnuson and the Hurricane to the to the portals. Mm-hmm. And she starts asking, like, these obvious questions that Parangasi thinks that should have been done. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, oh, oh, the Hurricane would have already heard this, such as, 
so I assume that, you know, you've closed the portals and you can, you can kind of track that. And he's like, well, I, I can close the portals. And she's like, like fuming inside her head. So not only did she let him escape, she didn't close the damn door, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and was, was super furious about it. And after she kind of figured out like all the stuff that's happened, she's like seething, but kind of nice. Like, okay, you know, Magnuson, let's go, let's go back there. So they start walking back and she ends up grabbing like just a random Marine who's around. I think it was, was it Austin. I think that's what his name was. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but grabs him like, Hey, how's it going? How's it going? You good? And he like drops the box and he's like, okay, well, we need to rest someone. And he gets all kitted out because he thinks it's going to be the, the, the elite. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you don't, you don't need that. Prisoner's gone. You're, you're fine, bud. It, it's going to be a pretty easy arrest. Yeah. And so that's when, you know, she goes into the office where Magnuson is and removes her from position and orders that she's sent to, I think it was the midnight facility. Midnight facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is, which is in the lore pretty not great place to be so yeah it's like she she's basically going to prison for yeah this. It's, she's it's not like, getting fired she's getting arrested yeah it's like working prison basically mm-hmm. she's like we can't release her to gen pop she mm-hmm. knows way too much we don't necessarily want to kill her but we're still gonna make her work in halo's version of hell in a cell <laughs> and, and move it over there yeah and that's when our boy Hugo Barton, I don't know why I said our boy, Hugo hey, Barton. He's going to be our boy for this next one. Is is now the head of the S.H.I.E.L.D. world. So mm-hmm. he, he's all like, okay, cool. I'm now in charge here. Hope I don't screw up. Yeah, uh, definitely I... not going to let anyone near a freaking portal anytime soon. Yeah. And while this is all going on, we now have Kilo 5 is going back to their mission they, they originally were supposed to do in Glasslands, yeah. which was go to Venencia. And kind of deal with the rebels in a way, or basically try and figure out what the heck is going on on this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of goes back again to where it's it's it was addressed that Naomi, our our Spartan badass, is she's trying to hide that you can tell she's a little uncomfortable with the idea that they're probably going to have to arrest her father, which is mm-hmm. this insurrectionist leader. And but she's still out there saying no 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 I'll be the one to arrest him I'll do it he's it's just another rebel it's just another job you know I I kind of want to see him though like just mm-hmm. to see who he is mm-hmm. but it's just a job this is what we do and throughout the book like I said kind of those heartstring things mm-hmm. like I think they were in like a mess hall I think it was on Infinity and they were bringing up uh, cause I think it's Mal is not a big fan of the Spartan Two program because of how they had to take kids and do all this other I stuff I think it was Vaz was it Vaz Vaz yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vaz, the Russian. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Vaz brings it up that, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't like to use that. So this whole discussion starts. Well, they always, like, realize Naomi's there. And obviously mm-hmm. she was part of that. So they quiet up. And Naomi brings it up because they start to change the subject and, like, be, like, jovial. Mm-hmm. And she's like, listen, guys, I, I understand you can talk about this. Like, it's, I, it's fine. Mm. I kind of, I mean, Vaz annoys me for that because he's Mr. White Knight. But at the end of the day, is also starting this insurrection. It's like, I'm willing to kill alien children and women, but how dare they, uh, our own humans, mess with our own children? His whole, like, he's Mr. Perfect thing has bugged me since the first book, and I'm assuming it's going to bug me in the third book. Yeah, but, but I guess he's he's also written off to be, like, very homebrewed ODST. 
yeah. hates everyone else that's not an ODST. Because even in the first one, he's like Phillips mm-hmm. until yeah. he like becomes part of Kilo Five group until and, like, he becomes crazy and starts shooting people. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, Zeng Healy. But yeah, so they they do eventually. It's Vaz and Naomi, and they once again disguise themselves as these rebels or dri- they're like drifters. So yeah, so, so they are drifters and they're defectors of the UNSC. So mm-hmm. so they're playing they're they're playing those soldiers. Like Naomi's still you know a huge Spartan out of the armor. You know, like Vaz even says like she I guess passes as a person. Like she's but she's she's still taller than me yeah, and, and all this stuff. And so their plan is that they're going to kind of infiltrate the market, see what's going on, and mm-hmm. they're going they're going back over to Spencer's safe house in his basement to go over the layout, figure out what they're doing, and to kind of hear, the, you know, what are the local watering holes? Who's who? Mm-hmm. Who do we need to look out for? And the plan is for the next day to go sell um, an MA5B that's tagged to get it into the black market to see how the weapons trade works. Mm-hmm. So they deal with this, this weaponsmith, Weapon Smith, Weapons Trader, whatever you want to call him. And I love it because Vast, the entire way there, is like psyching himself up. He's like, I am a deserter. Mm-hmm. I am a deserter selling this weapon. This was my weapon. Now I'm selling it. It's called method acting. Yes. And he just went, pulls the hand down when he sees the guy and goes, I am Russian mobster. And just brings <laughs> this terrible backstory with him. And sell the weapon off. And the guy's like, hey, if you got anything else, let me know. And that's, that's kind of when Vaz brings up that they have that spirit mm-hmm. on that other planet they were just sitting on. He's like, I also got a spirit if you want it. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, you bring it to me, we're good. Yeah. And so they, they, they leave the weaponsmith, they drive around a little bit to kind of get the feel of it. They park up, grab a Coney, Coney dog, they're down at the pier. <laughs> and no, driving around, they, they park up, and this is where they realize that one, that Covenant Cruiser, the, the pious inquisitor, which was mm-hmm. supposed to be like the savior ship, for Telcam, which never arrived, is actually in planet mm-hmm. or on planet, not in the planet. That'd be crazy. Uh, and they realize that there is this uh, skirmisher named Sav Fell, who owns it. I guess he's got he's got the keys. He's got the fuzzy dice. It says his name on them. That's how they figured <laughs> it out. Well, Naomi's staring across the street at this box truck. I guess it's like that's him. And Fell's like, what are, you, "What are you talking about?" They look over. Well, they realize that. Stefan, which is her father, and Sav Fell are actually riding together in this moving van, box truck thing. And that's, boom, that's the end for our Kilo 5 so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it kind of like, screen goes black. Yeah. Uh, but but to kind of, you know, finally wrap up this book, where we now end it with Jewel. Mm-hmm. So he we see him come on the other side of this portal. And so he... He's trying to figure out, like, okay, where am I? This kind of seems familiar, but I'm not totally sure. And he actually runs into some Zanghili. Mm-hmm. And so there, he's on a uh, Kelikos? Yeah, he's, he's on he's on Kelikos, which actually, uh, Hesteros, I think it's Hesteros is the Zanghili term for it. But Kelikos was the forerunner name for the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, well, and this was kind of confusing because I thought he went back in time for a second, but they were, he was like, what, like, kind of trying to figure out what they know, and they're just like, yeah, we sent our our young warriors out to fight. This was over a year ago or well, years well, yeah, ago. Be, because uh, what we know so far is that Hesteros is a colony world mm-hmm. for, yeah. for Saint, the Sanghili. Yeah, and so he's like, we don't really know what's going on, 
And Jewel kind of is like, uh, we had this great schism. The war is over. Now we're kind of fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And so this is where they kind of, they're like, what's with your belt? Like, you can't, because originally a, a child discovers him. Um, and so they're like, you came out of nowhere. You have this belt with these forerunner symbols. They're kind of gravitating him as kind of like this prophet almost, or like someone who like, He's brought by the gods. Yeah, brought by the gods. Like, he knows something, but... Well, I, he is actually playing it up, because he has to play that he is a devout, because he realizes... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he realizes that these are all very devout people who are still under the covenant kind of religion of mm-hmm. it that worship them. Well, because they didn't know what was going on. They were in the dark. Yeah, and, and so as they he pulls the belt out, they realize these symbols, and they actually know the symbols themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have the symbol for, um, you know, the great teacher, and he's like, oh, the didact. He's like, how did you know that name he's like well i came through here i did this like you are meant to come and you are meant to figure out this world because he had asked them he's like do you have a radio that i can contact i gotta get back to saint helios and so this is kind of where we end it you know because the the youngster who's like kind of talked so going back a little bit it it ends kind of right there in this hut they're talking with him and jewel says okay well listen i gotta go i gotta figure out what's going on because he ends up figuring out that unfortunately his wife is dead mm-hmm. and he learns this because he gets the radio and he contacts uh back to saying helios and like sorry I, I i don't have to tell you both your cool forza video game and your wife died mm-hmm. and so that's when he's like i need some space he goes out he does um the dance from Footloose. And he smokes <laughs> a cigarette and a beer and then dances around in a facility doing some backflips and stuff. And then eventually makes his way where he's kind of like sitting down, sulking and trying to figure out like turning that into rage. Like, I'm going to kill the humans. I'm going to find this didact. And that's when this youngster comes and is like, hey, that thing on your belt, that's like a holy gate. And like this symbol is where you need to go. So they basically kind of mm-hmm. figure out where it potentially requiem is mm-hmm. yep and so that's when he's like all right stands up he's like that's where we're going mm-hmm. yeah because they, they they finally agree they go we'll help you find requiem because you are this prophet brought to us mm-hmm. and, and we will help you avenge and you know do the will of the gods mm-hmm. yeah and so that's where the book ends mm-hmm. kind of another cliffhanger two or three at this point i love so, it I, I like not to jump into my opinion yet i love the way that she's done these cliffhangers thus far mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it actually keeps me interested into what's going on instead mm-hmm. of just ending with a monitor taking a ship bear <laughs> no so yeah it's it's like i said it, i'm excited by this yeah so now that we're through the summary let's talk about what does this do for the lore so as always this is the first time that we get a mention of the storm rifle the mantis and the spartan force mm-hmm. storm rifle why but whatever gotta throw it in there something that's interesting is that elites refer to odsts as coffin worms yeah and that's one thing we've discovered through this that i really like that bass brings up is he talks to the saying healy because a bb throughout this can like get in their comms link and translate for them mm-hmm. and starts to realize that the saying healy for their um like curse words basically it also do with parasites Mm-hmm. Whereas, like with human language, it has to do with like bodily functions or genitalia or whatever, whatever you call someone. Mm-hmm. With this, it's always like a parasitic type. So yeah, so they ended up calling them coffin worms. Yeah, they end up calling them coffin worms, 
And it's just, it's a really cool look mm-hmm. well, into what they're doing. Because they refer to the drop pods as their coffins, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, they're, they're brought down in their coffins and they shoot them out of the sky. Uh, we also know that the Hergox know about the Didact. These, these OG Hergox know about the Didact, which, you know, at the end of the day, I'll jump later. I'll, I'll jump ahead later. But we also know, or we get more exploration about the Forerunner portals, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the portals in Halo CE. Yeah, multiplayer maps. That's where they're from. Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> really cool. It's just to you know to kind of see that, and it's, as we get to four, and as we get to especially five, seeing portals and seeing so much more within the Forerunner technology, mm-hmm. it's really cool that this is really the first look that we're getting into like the rudimentary use of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also now know that theoretically the Didact is alive and on the Shield World Requiem. Mm-hmm. And we get looks into Kelikos, a.k.a. Hesteros, which gives us info, or at least more info, on Sanghealy Colony Worlds, which we had really just been looking at Sanghelios as kind of the go-to planet for. We knew, obviously, expanded out, but more was just on the Covenant grasp, but we're now actually seeing mm-hmm. just settled Sanghealy Worlds. And it gives us the foreigner connection that these people actually knew a lot more about it than those in Sanghelios. Mm-hmm. Yep. To kind of get that aspect of it. Um, we also get a first look at the power, accuracy, and gravity of Infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually get to see it in work and just the, the grand scale of it. We get a also first look into like the Sanghealy diet and agriculture. Yep. You know, after the Great Schism, because previously they were pretty much taken care of, uh, whether it be by the San Shayum, who had like the Huragak and the uh, Ungoy kind of farming and working for them. Now we're seeing them get back to it because in the book, we're also talked about that they're back to square one. Like, they're back yeah. to figure out how to farm, how to do anything. Yep. So, yeah, so we get a look at Urukan, which is their grain, and the Kolo, which is the animals that they're eating. Uh, we also get an idea on Sanghealy women's swordsmasters. Mm-hmm. So we're getting more into that Sanghealy culture of, you know, it's it's very, uh, you know, imperialistic in, you know, like, feudal Japan style, because we also see, like, the animes and other yeah. stuff. That's kind of what we're seeing a little bit of it based on so we're getting an idea on that uh we're getting an idea on how the jirohane and the ungoy are used after the war mm-hmm. as farmhands as workers kind of slaves but not yeah they're just paid under the table and probably not paid a lot yeah ungoy, i don't know if they're paid at all <laughs> um, and then we get an even better or newer understanding of this forerunner language and symbols so we start mm-hmm. to delve more into that after halsey had some of it from Onyx. Yep. So let's just quickly go over the release versions. As always, paperback, hardback, and audiobook, a.k.a. audible book. So let's talk about the, the reception overall. Fans and critics were happy with the way that Travis tackled the Halo universe in her first book and were ready to see where she would take the story with the Thursday War. With the follow-up novel, though, it was becoming a little obvious that Travis wasn't familiar with the Halo universe compared to other authors who had written for the series before because she had admitted not only that she hadn't played the games. She's like, I really didn't read the books. She's like, I was just told what to write, Mm -hmm. which you can kind of see it sometimes because, you know, when when Halsey went from someone who were kind of torn on how to feel to being called a Nazi like seven times in a book. Yeah. It's like, oh... She just kind of had an idea of who this person was and said, this is how I'm going to write her. But we'll talk about that later. 
Regardless uh, of the story being a little slow, the book still carried on and displayed a compelling story that made fans eager to see what they were going to get for Halo 4, Mm because this absolutely set it up for that. And and for the most part, I I saw a lot of readers who aren't like critics that weren't happy about this and gamers, but a lot of critics did give it some good reviews overall. Now to go back a little bit, we're both... Uh, the Forerunner trilogy and Halo Five trilogy were those known as trilogies coming up to this point? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. So, so we still knew that two were coming out, or a, a mm-hmm. book a piece was coming out. Yeah. So it, it okay. was definitely. Uh, I know for a fact it was for the Forerunner trilogy. This one, I'm pretty sure it was. So it wasn't just Makes like sense. one, and then it's like another one that they didn't know about. So they knew it was going to be a trilogy. Okay. I'm just making sure because that way people weren't just assuming after this book they're like, oh, Halo Four, or like another book, Halo Four. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's go through some ratings really quick. Goodreads users would give it a 4.1 out of 5. Barnes & Noble's users would give it a 4.6 out of 5. Audible users, that's you guys, give it a 4.8 out of 5. Mighty Ape would give it a Mighty 5 out of 5. Thanks for for throwing Mighty Ape, the the place I've never heard of in there. But they give it a 5 out of 5, sure. (laughs) Google Books give it a 5 out of 5. Walmart users would give it a 3.5 out of 5, which I think was two users. Uh, Books a Million users would give it a 5 out of 5. And then I think one eBay user gave it a 5 out of 5. I had to pull from what I could. I had to pull from what I could. You did good. (laughs) So as always, we're done with the notes. So now Alex and I talk about how we felt about the book. Mm -hmm. So as always, Alex, please start us off. So Travis did, in my opinion, pretty well with this. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, there's there's a couple of points where you and I had to go back through notes and kind of talk about, uh, did did that happen? Or, you know, when was it aspect? Oh, I don't remember that being a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a little bit of struggle. Once again, this is for us doing the podcast. So this is us speed reading, taking notes and going through it, mm-hmm. not a leisurely pace. So it could be different. But overall, I, I love the character development, like I said earlier. I love that she's kind of humanizing all of Kilo 5 now, whereas before it was like ODSTs and a scientist and a pilot and this and that and a Spartan. There's that family aspect. It's the family aspect. You definitely see like Saren Osman taking that family role over and kind of taking care of everybody. A couple comedic things in there. A lot of fun stuff. Seeing the final breakdown, um, you know, whenever we finally get to Venencia and we see that like, you know, Spartan 010 is starting to break down and she's like, I can't. I don't know if I can go after my father with this. Like, I, I, I have mm-hmm. to talk about this. Like, what if we have the same eye color? Like, what if we look the same? It's just, it's it's really humanizing. A Spartan. Yeah. Whereas Robot Stupid Chief is still in the story. <laughs> and he comes up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's overall, like I said, I, I enjoy the way the book is thus far. Mm-hmm. I love the introduction to complex forerunner aspects, mm-hmm. like portals, and trying to figure out symbols. And making it interesting, whereas it's the opposite for me when it actually comes to the Forerunner trilogy. Yeah, it, it's basically like there's no ambiguity about it. This is just how it is. Mm-hmm. I, as I said, I think my the the boring parts for me were the action sequences in the in this story because it was more so about all the the dialogue and the conversations and as you said, the character development. That's what I really enjoyed in this book more than anything else, and that's. Really, what's going to make me look forward to uh, Moral di- Dictata? Yeah, Moral Dictata. Dicta- yeah, Moral Dictata. And, you know, verse, you know, I've heard good things about Silentium, but that doesn't mean I'm looking forward to that because we're two books in to that trilogy. I'm not a fan. And I think, granted, this book was slower. It was slower, but it was a lot more cohesive. And I said a lot more interesting things happened. 
and I was relating to these characters a lot more. Mm-hmm. Again, Vaz's whole white knight thing was kind of annoying to me, but... I disagree with you on that. I don't think he's really white knighting. I think that's he's taking the personality of being like super pro-human and like very against aliens, but at the same time, like protecting his people. So not white knight in, in a way I wouldn't say, but like I can understand where you're coming from. Like he doesn't really get to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ruin the book for me mm-hmm. by, by any means, but it was still, it's well-written for the most part. It is obvious that Karen Travis was not too terribly familiar with the universe because just the kind of change in how some characters are is, is kind of night and day like Halsey, as I had said, you know, she's completely different uh, in that first book. And then as well as something that did frustrate me is that where's Blue Team and Mendes? They're kind of just swept under the rug. I would, wouldn't have mind, unless it's something I miss of them just being like, and they were reassigned. But it's kind of like, eh, we don't really know. Like, they just kind of disappear from the story when they were one-third of that, that first book. And so I thought it would kind of continue or maybe, like, you know, Blue Team would be part of some other story now. But they just kind of disappeared. That was disappointing for me mm. because, you know, you – especially got to feel for blue team and, and Lucy Lucy's talking again and Mendez. You can see that he's gotten so much off of his chest from the first book and then they're gone. But other than that, I think it was a good book. I think it was a great book and let's quickly rate this book. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd give it probably a seven or 7.5 out of 10. Nice. It's tough for me. Like there's, there's plenty of aspects that I really enjoy with it. So overall I'd probably give it like, Two human dumps in a sacred facility multiplied by uh, thousands of pounds of grain that's been poisoned. And then, honestly, divide it by the love in our hearts for Vaz. (laughs) All right, that's fair. That's a fair rating. And that equals out to be about two and a half MA5Bs for sale. (laughs) (laughs) And that is it. So that was The Thursday War, and it was a really fun book. It was kind of a breath of fresh air compared to the last book that we just had to do, so that was really cool. And, of course, this podcast is always supported by our awesome patrons. Yeah, and so thank you for those who are our patrons. Thanks for those who are thinking about or have been. It's amazing. It helps keep our podcast going. And as always, want to thank those right here. And we have Angry Canadian, Brenton Bagley, Charles Zitter, Cowan Funk Feliciano, D Gamer 1298, Duststorm, Francis, Grant Dillon, Harvey Chong, James Yervasi, Jonas, Colonel Panic, Tactics, Dragonfire, Mr. Choff, Pasquale Orozco, Skyjack, and Z, Z, Slip Away. So thank you guys for helping us out. And as always, you can become a patron today. You know, it helps like I said, us immensely, but also you're able to vote on these bonus episodes we have coming out. We have a new one coming out soon, which is very exciting, as well as game nights, Discord, uh, prints, T-shirts, plenty of other stuff that we really have coming out that we're really excited about, and we'll be adding some new content you know, as time goes on, so definitely look out for that. And as always, you can find us on any and all podcast platforms. I know Spotify is a huge one for us, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, CastBox, YouTube, anything, anything you can think of, 
we are there. And if we're not, please let us know so we can get on that platform and make it easier for you to listen to us. And don't forget as well to follow us on any and all social. We are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. And join our Discord. It is welcome to any and all. And the invite for that Discord, it'll be in the description of this episode. And if for some reason you can't use it, because from time to time some people have some issues, message us on any of our social channels and you will get that invite immediately. Mm -hmm. And tune in in two weeks because we are officially in Halo 4 marketing territory. Our next episode will be Halo 4 Forward On to Dawn. Not Halo 4 yet. But Halo 4, Forward On to Dawn, the web series slash movie. Exactly, because then we're forward on to, like, midday, and then eventually <laughs> forward on to, like, night, and then we're on to four. What about evening? No, see, the evening skipped up, because, like, midday, I took a nap, and then mm. slept through evening, so now mm. it's late night. You wake up, you're like, what day is it? Exactly. And with that, I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I think we're just getting started.